Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Yeah, so good to see you guys. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. We want to welcome all of you who are online as well today. Guys, could you give them all a big hand? Thank you guys for joining us wherever you're at. We're so glad you're here, you're part of our family. Hey, we are so uh, grateful to have you all here today. I know there's a lot going on out in the world, but you're here today, and I'm so gra- grateful that you are. I just want to remind you um, that Growth Track, which is this, uh, this class, this experience that we have on the first uh, Sunday of most every of month, but because of, of New Year's, we just did it this week. It happens right after this service, right over there, and we would love for you to join up. And it's just about who we are and where we're going, and really, more importantly, how you might get involved if you decided you wanted to. A lunch is provided, child care is provided, and we'd love to see you there. Today, we're starting a series, obviously, that you just saw uh, that we're calling Jesus Over Everything. And the idea is that there are many things um, that the enemy might use, our spiritual enemy might use to try to sort of hinder us or hold us back or cause us not to be able to move forward in our lives. We talked about that last week. If you missed last week, I'd love for you to go uh, online at lifepointsa.com and check that out or, or anywhere that their podcasts are at. You'll find our podcast there, I think, most every place, a lot of places anyways. And, and there's that one thing that we sort of hang on to or that we're holding on to or that we're stuck by, and, and Jesus is Lord over that thing. Like whatever that thing is, he is able to help you give you grace and authority over that thing to move forward in your life. In fact, the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that God has given him, Jesus, the name that is higher than any other name, has all of the authority, all the dominion and power belongs to Jesus. And so Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18, this is after he has risen from the dead, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That means that there is nothing in this world uh, that, 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 that Jesus can't overcome w- with you. Can, can I get a good amen from somebody, right? And so today I want to just kind of lean into, and I want to start at, at a kind of a different place than maybe, um, than maybe some would think I should, but I want to I talk today about Jesus over doubt. Jesus over doubt. It's, it's interesting to me uh, that a lot of times when you start talking about doubt, especially when you're talking about doubt as it relates to uh, church and, 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 and believers, the, the thing that comes to mind would be people who may have kind of wandered away from the faith or who are deconstructing their faith, or maybe it's people who have no faith and they don't know anything about it, and they're like, I don't know about the Bible, I don't know about Jesus, like I doubt all of that is true or that I doubt that is real, but the truth is doubt comes to us all. Like, like by the way, we're going to just have some real talk up in the room today, like we're not going to broad brush anything, we're just going to real talk today. The truth is, doubt has come to me even as a pastor. Even over the last few years, I've experienced times where I'm like, God, I know you are who you are, and I know you are who you said you are, but it's not that I doubt God's ability or that God can. It's oftentimes, for me, it's, I, I, doubt, I, I can doubt that God will for me. Like, I don't doubt that he will for you, heal, save, deliver, set free, but sometimes when I'm at, at, at a low point in my own life, I'll be like, I, don't, I know you can, God, but I'm not sure you will. And, and, and you may not be able to relate to that, but, but here's, here's what I know um, from a life now 50 years old. Whoa, I forgot, I forgot I'm 50. Uh, sorry, I just shocked my own self there. Like, what happened right there? Anyways, 
I mean, I know I look 27, but it's not true, you know. I got gray real early. Um, but listen, you, you could have been a believer for a very long time, but because of some circumstances, maybe it was a divorce, maybe it was the loss of somebody you loved dearly, maybe it was a diagnosis that came out of nowhere, maybe it was a relational bomb that got dropped in your life and you thought things were good and you found that they weren't. You, you can end up in those moments, in the darkness, in, in the loneliness, in the, the pain of those experiences going, I wonder if God actually cares about me. Has God forgotten about me? Like real talk, there have been moments in my life where I wondered, God, I'm Danny, you know, (laughs) here here I am. And and even if you grew up in a church like I did, you you might have been terrified to even have any of these thoughts at all. Like you might think, I've been in church my whole life and here I am all these years later and and I'm, I'm having some disillusionment or a little low-grade doubt, if I'm being honest. Now, many people think that doubt is the opposite of faith, but that's not true. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Not not doubt, because we're going to find doubt all the way through the Bible. It's just unbelief. So to the extent that somebody would say, yeah, you know what, I don't believe there is a God, or I don't believe in the possibility of a God who would love me so much that he'd send his only son to die for me in that same Jesus would, would raise, be raised from the dead and, and right now lives as Lord and Savior and Master over everything that could come against me. Like, if you would say, no, no way, I don't believe that, that's unbelief. That's not doubt, though. That's a different deal. D- doubt just means there is some inner uncertainty, right? I, I want to believe, God, but, but I'm just saying, based on where I'm at right now in my mo- this moment in my life, I'm having a hard time. And I get that, and I do, and and, and, and that's why I want to start this series with doubt, because whatever we might talk about in the next few weeks, if we're still kind of going, I don't know, it might be hard for God to help us kind of move forward on the other things. Does that make sense, everybody? So I want to just start here. Um, so, so I want to walk through a story, uh, and I've walked through this story multiple times in multiple different messages, even, even in, the, in the last few years I've walked through this story, about some people that were very, very close to Jesus, I'm not talking about bystanders, people who saw him do things. I'm talking about people who Jesus would have considered amongst his very best friends. And in this moment, in this story that we're going to read from John chapter 11, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. In this moment, they don't understand what he's done. They don't understand why he's done things the way he has. And in fact, they're kind of disillusioned at this point in the story. And by the way, this is a resurrection story. And I, I want to say that to you because... Many times we'll think that hope has died or dreams have died, but, but Jesus is going to say in this story, I am the resurrection. Like, like no matter what you think is gone from your life, God has the power to raise it back up. So on this particular day in this story in John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, and, and the her in the story is Martha. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a set of siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They live all in the same space. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me, and, and, and this word belief is so, so important. The one who believes in me um, will live. And, and what he means by that is live eternally, like have a, an eternal life with God, even though they die. Now, this is good news. Can I, can I get an amen on that? Right? So good news here. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And I want to walk through this story, and I want to end back up here at verse 25. So verse 1, 
of this same chapter, the Bible says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. I had a pastor that I used to work for years ago, and I love him dearly, uh, but he would call him Lazarus. Anybody ever hear, hear somebody call him Lazarus? It's like, hey, brother, there's no TH on the end. It's just an S. Kinda. All right, just a little Bible joke. Anyways, nobody got down. He was, he was from, Lazarus was from Bethany. Bethany is a little village about two miles or so from Jerusalem. This is the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. Notice this. Lord, the one you love is sick. Now let's get some clarity about this here. Lazarus was sick, sick. Not like, not like uh, sniffle sick, not like cedar fever sick, not like stomach bug sick where mom has to get some 7-Up. Come on, anybody get 7-Up when you were a kid? Like we didn't drink 7-Up any time, but somebody has a cramp or something, 7-Up, get 7-Up. It's like it had some miracle medic- medicinal properties to it. Anyways, just me apparently. 7-Up. I feel all, I'm all alone. This is a Shrek joke. Anyways, um, Lazarus is ICU sick, right? They didn't have it, but just to put in context, scary, about to die, sick. And, and right out of the gate, I think that some of us can relate to this story because whereas we heard good news from Jesus, now we're hearing bad news from Mary and Martha. And some of us have had bad news even recently that we can relate to. So they send word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So the way this worked out is they send a messenger, hey, go to Jerusalem, walk over there, find Jesus, and just let him know, hey, Jesus, Lazarus, the one you love, is really, really sick. And so when he heard this, verse 4, Jesus said, this sickness will not, everybody say this with me, will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. That's good news, right? If you're the messenger and you hear, hey, I know he's ICU sick, but Mary, Martha, Jesus said, this isn't going to end in death. You want to take that. You want to run back and tell her, hey, I know y'all are worried, but it ain't going to end in death. And then verse 5 is big, really big. It's big for you. It's not just big for Mary and Martha. It's big for you and for me. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I think it's important that John put this detail in here because of what's going to happen, what's about to happen in their life that they don't know yet. Now, John says, now, just to be clear, because you're going to read some stuff in this story that's going to maybe shock you a little bit. Just to be clear, Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. It's important to you and I that this is there. Because isn't it true that when life gets hard, when life takes unexpected turns, when like real bumps come up in life, not, not lost my keys, forgot my wallet, which is every day for me, right? Not, not that kind of trouble, not, ah, oh, forgot to pay that bill kind of trouble, but like, like real trouble, like fall into a hole kind of trouble, rock you down to your core trouble, the kind of trouble where you don't know what to do next. When that kind of trouble comes where it just seems like darkness metaphorically speaking, just seems to overshadow. And it doesn't seem like a bright spot could come from anywhere where, where, where despite uh, your, your friend's efforts to just sort of cheer you up, it doesn't do anything. We, we, can, we can wonder in those moments, God, do you, do you love us? God, do you, are, you, are you for us? 
This is the moment when these big things can happen where doubt enters in. Not, not, not so much, again, not so much can God, but will God for me. You know what I'm saying? We, like, we don't doubt like, if you're, if you're a believer in Jesus, you don't doubt when things are great, right? When the job is flying along, the money's right, the health is good, relationships are working well. But you let something come along that blows you up a little bit. And it can cause us to doubt God's love for us, or at the very least, doubt God's desire to do something about what's happening in our lives. Why, why would this happen? So John Make sure we know that Jesus loved the people in this story, and that's important for us to remember. And I want to go back to verse 3 again. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Let me just pause there for a second and ask you, especially if you're online with us or here in this room today, especially if you feel like you're living in some kind of nightmare right now. Can you be, imagine, in the middle of your pain and your darkness right now, can you imagine being known as the one that Jesus loves? Can, can you pause and just process that for a moment? And by the way, you don't actually have to imagine because it's 100% true. In fact, in fact, I think what a beautiful way to pray for your loved ones. Lord, Danny, the one you love is in trouble. Lord, my son, my daughter, my family, my mother, Lord, the one you love is sick. This is important because when we're going through stuff, it's natural. Like it's normal to start going, why? Why did this happen? Or why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my family? But I think right out of the gate in this story, we find out that the why cannot be because God doesn't love us. This is why this is in here, by the way. It cannot be that God doesn't love us. The one you love is sick, is in trouble. John wants to make sure we know this detail as he's writing down the story again. They send this note to, with this messenger that says, Lord, the one you love is sick. Seven words that give us deep insight into how Mary and Martha feel about God. See, I would have written this note, Lord, the one who loves you is sick. The one who serves you, the one who's given up so much on behalf of the name and the fame of you, Jesus. That's the way I would have written it because that's religion in me coming out, right? The, the one who, like in a way of manipulating God to, to act, to, to move quickly, in, in a way of him trying to con convince him to hurry, but they know him better than we do. We think he's moved by our feelings for him, but in fact, they believe that what will move God most is his feelings, his love for Lazarus, not Lazarus's love for them. Jesus, the one you love, is sick. And, and I want to I just bear down on that for a moment because sometimes when religion starts to take hold of us, we start to think we earn this or we work for this or we make things happen. But, but it's important that we see and hear in this nuance in the story to understand that the gospel is the good news of what God has done for us 
through Jesus, that who, that who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and is doing is just simply God demonstrating his love for you and I. It's, it, 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 the gospel's focus is not on man loving God. It's not what man could do or might do for God, but what God has done for man and God loving mankind. And the essence of the gospel is overwhelmingly God loves people. He loves people. And some John says, just as you're reading, I want you to remember this. So we come to verse 6, and things get like really strange. So when he heard that Lazarus was, the Bible doesn't say it, but we can say it, ICU sick, he stayed where he was two more days. It's like, I'm sorry, what? Is, is that what that says right there? Right? You, you ever... You ever be on vacation somewhere like, like in Mexico, down on the beach in Cancun or Cozumel or wherever you like to go, and you're like, it's time to go home, and you're like, uh, I'm not ready to go home yet, right? Let's stay a couple more days. Let's call in and say, we got the, we got the Rona, and we got to be down here five more days, they say now. CDC says five more days, right? Just be lying so you could stay down there some more. Like, so Jesus is like, man, this falafel or whatever they were eating over there, it's good right over here. You don't, you don't stay two more days when somebody calls and says, hey, the one you love is ICU sick. You get up and you move right then there, yes or no, right? Two more days. You know what's true of you and what's true of me is that doubt starts to set in when the answers we're praying for get delayed. That's when that happens. This is when that happens. Two more days and then they make the two-mile walk over to Bethany. This, this is the way my brain works, and maybe yours doesn't work like this, but this is one of those stories I, I, I'm thinking when John's rewriting the story. And by the way, the very last, one of the last verses in John 20, John 31, he says, I'm writing all of this the way I've written it so that you might believe. That's what he says. That's what John says. So when John's putting this together, I don't know, I, I think he might be thinking, ah, I don't know if we should put this story in here, right? Let's just skip to the part where... Uh, spoiler alert, Lazarus dies and Lazarus gets raised. Okay, let's just go there. But let's just put that in there. But, 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 let, but how do we explain Jesus going, no, 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 no. Let's, let's wait until my close friends, Mary and Martha, have their hearts completely broken. Let's, let's wait until they're utterly disappointed with me and maybe doubt me a bit. And their brother dies and then let's go. John's got, got to be going, because John's his best, Jesus' best friend. He's got to be going, we should probably leave this part out, right? Right? For me, this is one of the many things that makes me know this resurrection of Lazarus and the resurrection of Jesus is real. Because why would you put this in here if not? Sk skipping down to verse 17, just for the sake of time. On his arrival Jesus to Bethany, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So not only does he not get there in time to heal him, he doesn't even make the funeral. He's been in the tomb for four days to the extent that Martha says to him, Lord, by now, in the King James, she says, by now he stinketh. Come on, is that a good word, right? We should start working that word into talk about your husband, ladies. Like, you stinketh. <laughs> Take a bath. Your teenager, kids, come on, can I get an amen on that? Why are they shower averse? I don't, anyways, I'm just moving along. Uh, th th this, this is a hopeless story when you come to the, to the face of it. He's dead for four days. Right. Here's what Andy Stanley says about this. Faith often deteriorates 
when circumstances deteriorate. Isn't that true? Like my faith is high, but as I'm praying and praying and things are not changing, faith starts to deteriorate when the circumstances deteriorate and doubt enters in. The sister's faith was really high when they sent for Jesus because the messenger comes back and says, hey, Martha, Mary, it will not end in death. Lord, the one you love is sick. But by the time Jesus shows up, actually their faith has crumbled. Disillusionment has set in because Lazarus is in the grave and has been for days. And some of you know this feeling where we prayed and we prayed and they didn't get better or the marriage didn't recover and now I'm not sure about God. And this is one of the hard parts of faith, <clears throat> taking God at his word when things aren't going our way. I want, you, I want to believe in you, God, but I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying and things don't seem to be changing. And so I'm having a hard time based on what I'm seeing around me if I'm being honest because everybody I know, everybody that's honest anyways, at some point prayed a prayer and believed God could and thought he would and maybe he didn't, at least in the way that they prayed. <clears throat> and the next thing you know, doubts arise. Why didn't he do this? Why wouldn't he have answered that? If that's you today, I, I, I hope you, this will speak to you and you'll never ever forget that God's delays are not God's denials. We see this in the story. Just because God hasn't done something yet doesn't mean that God can't or that God won't. But I've got to tell you this because it's important that you understand this. Every time you pray, God hears you. And every time you pray, God answers it. It's just sometimes he says yes and sometimes he says no. And sometimes he says, not yet. And so it's important that we understand that God's delays in those moments where he says, not yet. It's important that we understand that God's delays are not God's denials. And Jesus arrives to this place where there seems to be no hope and there's just mourning. And there are people, it's not just Mary and Martha mourning. The Bible says there's all of these people that have come to mourn with them because they are loved people. And they have friends and they have family who have shown up. And maybe this is where you are today, that, that there's not as much hope as you'd like to feel right now. That it's sort of ebbing away. And can I just tell you this about hope? When hope starts to ebb away anxiety and fear and worry come right in behind it. That's true, right? When you start to feel hopeless about something, you can be sure that the enemy will try to replace your hope with something else. But it doesn't have to be that way because if God, if it's not good yet, maybe it's because God's not done. Amen? So, so verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. I just want you to know, she had to take some steps to get to where he was. He wasn't just outside the door. The story lets us know he came into Bethany, but he stopped and didn't come to their house just yet. So Martha goes out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Other translations said she stayed in her chair. Now this is interesting because if you know Mary and Martha, if you've ever heard a sermon about Mary and Martha, probably the sermon you've heard is the one where Mary's the good one and Martha's the bad one, Right? Mary's the good witch, and Martha's the bad witch. Are you the good witch? Anybody? Wizard of Oz? Okay, all right. I'm dropping old school stuff, and you are too young for that stuff, right? Anyways, they're not witches, by the way. Uh, I'm not going to say that in the next gathering, because y'all took it at something wrong. Anyways. <clears throat> 
Mary's the one we champion because she's the one who sat at Jesus' feet. You remember this? And she washes his feet because somebody's got to wash his feet. And she's spending time with Jesus. Martha's running around making dinner or whatever's happening. And she's mad at Mary because Mary's not helping her. And, 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 and Jesus says she picked the right thing, the one thing. So, so, so why isn't Mary the one out here instead of Martha? Why is Mary stuck in her chair? Most likely because she's disappointed in Jesus. And that's, isn't she have a right to be? Yes, right? So, so is Martha, but she takes steps out to meet him anyway. And, and, and by coming to Jesus with her doubt, she actually gets something this time that Mary doesn't. It's not that she doesn't believe in Jesus. It's just that her faith has been dinged up. It's like when you worn something so long and it gets threadbare. It's like sometimes... You, you've run it through the wash cycle so many times that it gets threadbare. Some of your socks like that right now. Come on, throw them away. I'm just giving you permission to. My wife's like, seriously, bro? Throw it away, you know. I got, those are my favorite, right? But, but by coming out, she's showing that there's still some faith there. In verse 21, we see this inner tension here. She says, she says Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What an incredible statement this is. You can see this, this tension that's going on inside of her heart that, that is often going on in our own lives where we have faith, we do believe, but we also are disappointed with how things are going. And, and there's this, this tension here. There's real faith in the statement because she says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's faith, yes? Right? Like if you had just shown up, I know your power would have worked. You would have done the miracle. He would have been raised up from his sickbed. That's faith. But then you see this disappointment. She's saying something to Jesus that we've all said to God in our own ways, with our own issues. Jesus, if you had been here, she'd just shown up. She'd just come through. My brother would not have died. And what's implicit in the statement from Martha is, where were you? Right? Where, where were you? We, we called for you. We, we told you how bad it was, but you didn't show up. You didn't answer our call. Where were you? If you'd been here, my marriage would still be intact. If you had shown up, I'd still have my career. If, you, if you'd been there, my business wouldn't have died. I'd still have my mom. Where were you? And here's the thing about this. When, what you often see when you read the Bible is we don't always get answers to our why questions. Instead, we just get promises. And the older I get, the more I recognize that part of, of learning to live by faith and learning to walk in faith is to learn to live with questions that I have. Live in the questions, live with the questions while I continue to cling to the promises that we hold. Sometimes in life we hold them both at the same times because God's delays are not God's denials. And, and I've got questions on the one hand. But I've got promises on the other hand, and sometimes it will, it will be true that we will hold them both at the same time. And when that's true, I think what we do is we, we go to God's word and we start digging for the promises of God. And we go, and, and, and when we can't find them in, in the way that maybe resonates with us in God's word, we even go look back in our own story and in, in the rearview mirror of our own life. But we have these we questions and we have these promises. And the more I dig and the more the promises of God get revealed and the more I begin to speak and declare the promises of God in my life, even though I might have some questions, the more faith rises, the more trust comes, the more doubt minimizes. So, 
So like I can have a question like, where are you, God? And then I look in the Bible and it says that the promise is that he will never leave me or forsake me. Right, like I can have a question, why is this happening in my life right now? But the promise of Romans 8, 28 is in all things God is at work together for my good. There's a, there's a question, but there's a promise. Some of you didn't realize it was okay to have questions and hold promises at the same time. But we see here that Jesus' best friends did. But what we do as believers is we stake our lives on the promises of God, even with unanswered questions. And I think that's what we see here in this story, because Martha's next statement is, but I know, verse 22, but I know that even now, even even now, meaning he's been dead four days, even now God will give you whatever you ask, but I No. What does she mean there? Based on your track record, Jesus, in my life, based on what I've seen you do in in the past. And that's important because when you can't find a promise in God's word that fits your situation, just dig into your own past. Look into the rearview mirror of your own life. And this is what we see here. We see as she comes in face-to-face with Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, Something starts to happen in her. We start to see a shift. There's a pivot happening. And so what's happening here with this one statement is she's remembering what God has done in the past. Like, I know because I've seen you move the mountain, and I know you can do it again. She's accepting what God is doing in the present, even though she doesn't understand it. And then thirdly, she's learning to trust what God is going to do in the future by faith. All of this is happening right here in this one statement. She says, but I know that even now, and I think some of us in this moment, some of us watching online, some of us need that even now moment, even now when you're discouraged, even now when the darkness is closing in, even now when you feel alone alone, and like all hope is leaking out, even now when I don't know how I can move forward from this moment, even now the Spirit of God can come in and give And start building up my faith. And and the Spirit of God can come in and give me a peace that passes all understanding. And and, and even now, God can do something. Even now, in this moment, in this room, right here, right now, God can do something. So that you can start doubting your doubts and acting on your faith instead of acting on your doubts. See, that's huge right there. That, That in this moment with Jesus, she starts to doubt her doubts. And she starts to act on her faith and she starts to declare, I know that even now, even with my questions, I know even now God will give you whatever you ask. So we come to the place we started, verse 25. Jesus says to her, Martha, I am. This is a statement of divinity, by the way. There's seven of these in John's gospel. Every one of them is a statement of, hey, I'm God. I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, in other words, the resurrection is not just what I call for. The resurrection is not just what I do. It's who I am. And that's so important to know when you're feeling like hope is gone. This is what he does. This is who he is. He raises things that were dead back to life. And he says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And this is a statement that's been used at a million funerals, hasn't it? You've been to a funeral, somebody's going to read this verse. But listen to me. This is a personal statement to Martha for this moment. Martha has no idea this is going to end up in a Bible someday. Jesus does, but she doesn't. This is just a word for her. This is how Jesus works, by the way. He will give you a word just for you. 
Mary doesn't hear this statement. Only Martha does. Martha is doubting, but she doesn't stop digging. And so Jesus gives her this incredible statement of hope, and it's, it's, it's giving her a horizon for her sadness. I, you know, I, I struggle to sleep a lot, and so a lot of nights I'll be just laying there rolling around all night long, and eventually I'll get up, and I won't know what time it is, and I'll go out and look. Is it starting to come up? The sun about to come up? Anybody bear with me on this? Like, just, dear Lord, let the sun come up. It's been a miserable night. And you're just hoping to see a little gray in the sky, and most of the times it's just the lights over there. But, but what Jesus is doing by telling her, Martha, I am the resurrection. He's giving her a horizon. Yes, it's dark beneath the surface, but there's a light starting to break through. There's a, there, there's a dawn coming up. The sun is starting to come up through the darkness, through the, your, your suffering. At first, it's far off. It's just a glimpse. It's just a glimmer. And he's, but, but, but the dawn is breaking, and it's, it's Jesus himself. He's not giving answers to her why questions. He's coming with a promise. And oh, by the way, he is the promise coming up through the horizon. And he's giving her a hope that the darkness that she's experiencing, that the pain that she's going through, that the loneliness that she's feeling, that the loss that she's experiencing is not the end. I am the resurrection and the life. It's like driving at night in the fog. You ever had to do this? You can only see just as far as your headlights reach, and that can be a little scary because you can't see as far as you'd like. But, but here's the truth about driving like that. You can make it all the way home like that. And that's the hope here. You, you may not be able to see the end of the darkness right now, but can you just walk as far as you can see. This is what Martha does. She doesn't go all the way to Jerusalem. She just walks a little ways to where Jesus is. And by taking those few steps, everything changes. And by the way, that's all faith really is. Walking one step at a time, even when you don't know where it all ends, even when you can't see where you're going. You don't have to have all the answers to why and what's next. You just take the next right step. I don't see a way out of this, but I'm going to doubt my doubts, and I'm going to take the next right step. And when you find yourself in a valley of uncertainty, and you're tempted to give in to your doubts or give in to your fears or give in to your worries or your anxiety, remember these words. Just keep walking. Because nothing is gained by just going, well, I'm just going to lay down here in the darkness and stay here. The only way out is to keep walking. And every step you take, like Martha, is a way to doubt your doubts. And soon enough, the light will shine again. Don't let your doubts keep you from God because he's not letting your doubts keep you from him. Or him from you. He's not going to do that. Come to him with it. And, and, and on this weekend... There is a horizon for somebody. So, not everybody needs to hear this, but there is a horizon for somebody. This is not the end. What you've gone through right now is not the end. It's not the be-all, end-all. There is coming because the re resurrection is not an event. It's a person. It is just who he is, and it's just what he does. And then look at verse 26 again. And whoever lives by believing in me. Remember, this is to Martha. He knows where she's at. 
will never die. And most of the times when you hear this preach, this message preached, this is where we end. We'll never die and we move on to the next thing. But there's a question at the end of this verse. And when we skip the question, we miss the entire point. Because what he says to Martha is, do you believe this? Gently confronting her doubts. Martha, do you believe this? This is the supreme question of life, in fact. In, in the end, truth always has to become personal to you. You can't ride the coattails of your mom's faith or your dad's faith or your grandmother's faith. You have to have your own faith. Do you believe this? And she gives what is one of the great confessions in all of the New Testament in verse 27. It's a confession that you and I could make and it would change everything. And she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And what's happened here through this story, and there's more to this that I don't have time to get into, is just Jesus gently leading her back to truth, gently leading her back to faith. It's the same thing that he does for Thomas. We call Thomas Doubting Thomas. He does the very same thing with him. It's what he does with his own cousin, John the Baptist. John the Baptist gets thrown in prison. And prison has a way, I understand from talking to people who've been in prison, of sucking all hope, all joy, all life out of you. And John is in prison and he sends some of his followers to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, are you the one or should we look for somebody else? Faith starts to deteriorate when circumstances deteriorate, even for a guy like John the Baptist. And Jesus doesn't throw them away and he never puts them down. He just simply does for John and for Thomas whatever it takes to help them believe. And what I've found in my own life when I've battled doubts is that God will do whatever it takes to help me recapture my faith and bolster my faith. And I just, I feel like I can promise you. In fact, I will promise you that God will do whatever it takes to help you believe that not only is he the Christ, the son of the living God, but he is also the resurrection and the life and the hope and the joy that you need. He is, he is. He is Lord over everything, amen. So Father, I come to you right now in Jesus' name and I just, I pray Lord, and I know not everybody needed to hear this today, but there are some here in this room and there are some here online and there are those who might listen to this later on down the road who know exactly what I'm talking about today because this is their story. This is where they're at right here and right now. And God, here we are at the beginning of a brand new series. And I'm just praying, God, that you would use this moment to to create room and space and faith for, for the next moments that are to come, that, that people who may wonder and people who may be struggling, and, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there are probably some young people and there are probably some young adults who might, now, might right now have questions, may, may wonder about this or that, and I'm just praying that you would meet them right where they are. God, that the truth that their parents have taught them, the truth that they've heard from me or from other people would become real and relevant to them to the extent that they would declare, yes, I believe. Lord, I believe in you.
I believe in you. And, and in that confession of faith, Lord, that many people may make here today in this room, that they, they could change everything. In that confession, Lord, new life can come, and new hope can come, and new joy can come. To, so, so for those of us who may have never made this confession, for those of us who may have made this confession a long time ago, but life has happened, and, and these scenarios that we've painted have happened, and we've kind of wandered away or worked our way away from this, Lord, I just pray that we would, would realize in this moment that God has given a personal word just for you. And the reasonable response is, Lord, I believe in you. And I believe that you died on a cross for me, God. And I believe and I confess that you rose from the dead and you have come to give life and newness and hope and joy. And that because you were raised, you are Jesus, Lord, over everything that I struggle with that's in my way and I pray for freedom. God, that, that freedom's bell would ring for people in this room that they would walk in newness of life, that they would walk with hope and joy and grace and love and I pray these things in Jesus' name. And God, for the people who here right now might be really, really struggling, might not have very much peace, might not be able to sleep at night for this reason or that, God, would you, would you bring hope and help and grace and, and life and love? And, and may, may you do that through the people around them, through their loved ones, through people. Maybe it's a group that they'll join. God, give them hope, I pray. Give them grace, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said a good amen. 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 Come on, we give it up for Jesus right quick. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.